Thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. And a very happy Saturday afternoon to you, my very thirsty listener, uh, as always. Uh, it's 3 p.m. here in the Rose City, and uh, you are tuned into the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. I am your host and on-air bartender, Ryan McGarrian, and if you're joining us for the first time, our show is dedicated to all things liquid and delicious, with a particular uh, emphasis on spirits and cocktails and beers and wines and fine coffees and teas. And man, I need to get some more coffee people on the show because, man the coffee in this town, but, uh, uh, but we're also dedicated to providing content, uh, you know, around the people, the fine folks and establishments that serve these things. And, uh, man, I am so stoked to be, uh, sitting here with one of my favorite people in the world, Eric Castro, one of the great bartenders on the planet earth. And, you know, one of the things about, uh, our guest today is not only is he a great bartender, he is a, he's just, he contributes to the intellectual space. Uh, Eric is uh, the owner of Polite Provisions in uh, San, uh, San Diego. Uh, he made his bones up in uh, San Francisco uh, uh, running uh, the Rick House, which is, you know, this was, uh, I remember going, I remember my first trip to the Rick House. And, you know, to me, this was what I was always dreaming of is that balance of environment and product where, you know, you go in and it's a party. People are having a good time, but you got precisely executed executed drinks you had you know an incredible spirits list all this all this stuff going on but um eric how the heavens are you today my man doing well brother doing well a little tired but i have no complaints man yeah you look none the worse for wear dude it's just like oh man um it's just always a good uh just awesome to see you so man we got tons to talk about um catching up i haven't seen you in a few years it feels like but uh you know i want to jump right into this new project you're working on because i think it's so exciting and so dynamic and so necessary um you've got this road show this road trip uh going on built around uh smaller markets as i understand it uh interviewing bar owners and bartenders and just bar culture individuals and just putting a a spotlight on how the cocktail uh, the craft cocktail movement has affected uh, uh, these markets. And uh, man, how did, how did Bartender at Large come, to, come together? Well, it's an idea that I've been suing on for a few years. And um, I remember asking my boss <laughs> if we could start in San Francisco, rent an RV, and go to Tales of the Cocktail down in New Orleans. And she just panned the idea. She was like, there's <laughs> absolutely no way that is happening. That just sounds like, that sounds dangerous. That it's, sounds like a liability, dude. Oh, uh, it would have been a liability, which is why she didn't let us do it. So, you know, the idea has always been in my mind, and it's almost taken off. It's almost come to fruition with a few different circumstances. It just never really seemed to get the momentum um, that it needed to get off the ground. And I think my problem was is I was waiting for someone else to give us the permission to do it. Got it. And finally, it was just like, you know what? This has to happen. It's happening now. So we really, over these last six months, really started dialing everything in and kind of really making sure that everything was ready to go. And we just wanted to showcase what bartenders are doing across the country, that this isn't... 10 years ago anymore. This isn't the era of only getting a good craft cocktail in New York City and San Francisco. Amen. Now, you, I mean, we were just in Boise last week and I had some phenomenal cocktails. I was at the Modern Hotel and a gentleman by the name of Michael Bowers who runs the bar program there made me cocktails that were just as good as anything I've ever had in London, New York, Los Angeles, any of those cities. And man, that's just a short flight for us here in P-Town, man. Jump on the uh, jump on the Horizon Express and get down to the modern, see old Mr. Bauer for some good cocktails, right? Oh, I highly recommend. Boise is completely slept on in terms of food and drink. It's a wonderful place. 
great service. You don't get all the pretentiousness you get from the larger markets. And it's just people eating good food, drinking good beer, having good cocktails, man. Dude, who can argue with awesome. that? Awesome. Yeah. Who could argue with that? So, uh, so where did, so leaving, like, I'm kind of got this map in my head, you know, leaving San Diego, where was the first stop on the bartender at large roadshow? The first stop was actually Riverside, California, which is a phenomenal place. Uh, it was great for me in many ways, not only because they have a, a, a really cool cocktail bar there, but also because I actually being born and raised in Riverside County, it was kind of a homecoming for me of sorts. W. Wolfskill is a bar they're set up. Like, really, Riverside has one craft cocktail bar. So the culture, like, the cocktail culture and cocktail lovers in that city just kind of rally around it. It was set up a, about a year ago by um, Dave Kaplan and Alex Day of Death & Company. Okay. And so they have this wonderful understanding of classic cocktails and the fundamentals. They stir well. They shake well. They, they really they, do. They've been doing exception. They've been they've been doing a great job of establishing like precise, passionate cocktail cultures mm-hmm. all over the country, man. Yeah, and then you go to this place and it's like complete, unassuming in Riverside, California, and these people are just engaged. The clientele loves it. The staff is is you know completely into it, and they're making great drinks. And who would have thought in Riverside, California, you know? And one of the bonuses of that, they actually have access to one of only four citrus um, citrus collections this large. There's only four. Citrus collections in the world that have over a thousand variety of citrus, and this bar W Wolfskill has full access. What? Yes. So they're making cocktails with with lemon hybrids, citrus hybrids, pomelo hybrids that you've never seen before. Pomelo hybrids, dude. Yes. Right. I I actually I was completely humbled in the context. I tried so many styles of citrus, but one of them in particular, which really you know grabbed my my eye and my palate essentially, was there was this lime hybrid that tasted like cannabis and patchouli oil. Yes. It, we had the highest city just like you would get. That actually sounds more like lime. an IPA to me, yeah, right? And I was like, this is a hippie lime. I really want to make a cocktail of this. And I tried another thing, another one there, which was kind of like a lemon hybrid. Looked like a lemon at least. And it tasted like popcorn, cotton candy, and peppercorns. Dude. And I remember telling, and it was beautiful. I had a very robust, full flavor. And I asked the woman who ran it there, Tracy. It's like, oh, ooh, could I use these and put this on my cocktail menu at Polite in San Diego? And she says, mm, I don't know if I would do that if you, if I were you, because there are only three of these trees in North America. Wow. So if anything, it just kind of opened my eyes to like how many opportunities and how many options are out there to make incredible drinks. Because right now we're really running off of what, basically four types of citrus. All right. When there are over a thousand out there that we know of. Dude, unbelievable, right? Unbelievable. It is so unbelievable. And like, you know, I just think about like, my, and I don't have, a, haven't been exposed to a ton of different citruses, but I know when I go to Wajimaya and I see the different kinds of fruits coming out of Japan, mm-hmm. that's just a crack in the door. And you're just saying like behind that door is this like Disneyland of deliciousness mm-hmm. of citrus, you know what I'm saying? So, and I would imagine your tour is just it, it, moving from Riverside on. Do you feel like you're having like a revelation in every town? Yes. Uh, one of the things that's really blown my mind is I think sometimes we feel living on the coast, we feel that if something's good enough, we'll hear about it. And I don't think that's the case anymore. For instance, uh, I went to this amazing distillery called um, AZ Distilling Company. Okay. It's in Phoenix, Arizona. And I'd never heard of them. Their gin just won a double gold in San Francisco. What's the name of their gin? Oh. They the need name. to do. They need to work on the branding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you know, I, you, you can't get it anywhere outside of Arizona. Oh man, they have an amazing gin. They have a, a wheat whiskey that they make with Durham wheat, which is native to Arizona, okay. and, and you might recognize Durham because it's mostly used. Most of it's all exported to Italy, where they used it to make pasta. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. making these incredible whiskeys that aren't trying to be replicas of what you get out of Kentucky, right? Because they 
they were very honest about the fact that, hey, look, the guys in Kentucky are make, can make better bourbon than we can. Yeah. Conventional bourbon. They've we're going to make. What's a, next? They've been doing it for hundreds of years. You know, like we need to make our own style and, and, and do something that you can't get anywhere except Arizona. So they're doing these incredible spirits. Uh, you know, met these folks in Santa Fe who are making great bitters. Of course, you know, you can't get them anywhere else. Right. So I've noticed that there's all these little regional flavors that contribute to the local culture. But unfortunately, it seems like you can't really get them to where we're living just yet. But I know it's only a matter of time. Dude, and thus the roadshow. Once mm-hmm. again, we uh, you're listening to the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. We are chatting up with Eric Castro, world class bartender, uh, proprietor of Polite Provisions in San Diego, and uh, and the uh, curator of uh, Bartender at Large. Uh, this roadshow. Uh, providing the world access to, to what's happening in the smaller markets throughout the country. So you're in a, Santa Fe, man. Did you go to that little, did you go to that George O'Keefe church, the one that she always painted? No, actually, we didn't get a chance. I really wish we had more time to kind of soak in more of like the local arts. But the cool thing about Santa Fe is it's such a beautiful place. And it's, it's I believe, the third largest art market in the world that you're surrounded by art constantly. So no matter where you're at, you, you feel this energy, this creative energy that's kind of being... Um, Dude, that's awesome. So I imagine the cocktail scene's probably fast-growing and quite dynamic. Oh, yeah. The, the cocktail scene's incredible, especially when you think about the fact that there are only 60,000 people that live in Santa Fe. It's only 60,000 people, but it's these people who just have a passion for great drinks and good food. Oh, dude, man. I just We need a nonstop flight to Santa Fe from P-Town. Man, it's so good chatting with you. We got to jump out. Uh, second segment coming at you in just a few minutes. Network. Again, this is Ryan McGarren, your on-air bartender, and we're chilling with Eric Castro, proprietor of Polite Provisions in San Diego, world-class bartender, and uh, the curator of this exciting new uh, roadshow, The Bartender at Large, which we've been talking about uh, for the last uh, 15 minutes. And I just want to continue on that uh, with you, Eric. You know, you talked about how, you know, the first the first uh, kind of stop was Riverside, and, and you know, you, you talked about the bar program there that uh, the proprietors, uh, Dave Kaplan and Devin and Alex, all worked on and, you know, how unique that was for that space. And then, uh, you know, talking about the citrus there, like that, you know, the variety of citrus. And then, you know, I, we left off talking about Santa Fe. I'd, I'd love to kind of tee up Santa Fe again because I, I, I'm pretty captivated by the, I've never been, but in my head, I just have, this is like, uh, I just picture like that movie for a few dollars more with Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef in modern context. Uh, what did you love about Santa Fe and their bar culture? You know, the thing about Santa Fe that was so interesting is that it, it's such a small community that it's really tight. Everyone knows each other. There's a contributing um, factor to learning. Like, people aren't really keeping secrets from each other. Everybody understands that with such a small city, if you want to compete on a larger scale, Rising you, need tide. To unite. Yeah. you need to unite. So there's just, like, a love there that I found really, really cool. And the thing that allows them to be so adventurous and do so many cool things with cocktails is the fact that with this massive art market there and so many travelers and tourists coming from all around the world to visit – that they have visitors coming from Paris, from Tokyo, from Japan, um, London. And you just have these people who they know craft cocktails and they have the money, they have the taste, they, they want 
a proper experience when it comes to having a cocktail. So the locals are understanding, hey, this is what they want. If we want to have our every seat in the bar full, this we got to provide market it. Bears, right? Yeah, I mean, we went to Secreto Lounge, which actually was a wonderful bar. It's a beautiful space. And one of the things I really liked about it was, you know, you mentioned about being adventurous with flavors versus comfort flavors earlier when we were speaking. And one of the things I, I really liked about that is the way that the menu was written. It was re- written specifically with, these are the tried and true classics. This is Dark and Stormy, some Manhattan, some Old Fashioned. Then to the left of the menu, they had their house specials, which were, you know, very adventurous things with bell pepper, things with um, house-made bitters, just a little more exploratory in fashion. And I thought it was really interesting. And it allowed them to kind of cater to to their customers and the clientele, regardless of where they come from. Oh, dude, that's so cool, man. So you got Santa Fe. What's next on the magical tour that you're taking after Santa Fe? What was your next stop? Our next stop after Santa Fe was Denver. Oh, okay. And Denver was great. Denver has a, a very large bar scene. Uh, lots of great passionate bartenders. But not just that, there's lots of bars already. Um, their scene's been coming along for several years now. It's been doing really well. I mean, in fact, Williams and Graham just won, you know, best cocktail bar of the year at Tales of Cocktail. So they've already been recognized. But I think the, the problem that happens with Denver is too many people just fly over. They're fly like, over oh, state, yeah. man. Fly over state. They're like, or they make a connecting flight there and, and they're making a mistake because the beer scene there, first off, is phenomenal. Yeah, it really is. Their cocktail scene, their dining scene is world class, wonderful. But I think so many people just see it as like, oh, yeah, I connected there at their at their massive airport they have. Yeah, I've always felt the same way about Denver. And, and I don't have as much context as I should have because mm-hmm. I feel the same way. You know, I've done, I know you have as well, you know, doing the food and wine classic out in Aspen. And a lot of times I feel like I'm just moving quickly. And uh, you know what? I, I wish that airport was a little bit closer to town, to I be know. honest. See, I tell you what, they just need to just, just blow that thing up, move yeah. it in like close to downtown. So like if you've got a layover or you've got a few hours, you can just jump in something and get down there, have a beer, have a cocktail mm-hmm. and get back to the airport but uh if i start getting into the whole like reality of civic displacement whatnot then we're going to go in a totally different direction but denver besides william and graham of course our friend sean Kenyon runs that bar program tip-top world bartender what are some other bars that really captivated you there santa lee was a beautiful bar run by a woman um great bartender i forget her last name shit that's okay okay can we edit that out sure okay cool (laughs) Uh, um, this this gal mineta she's a bartender there from boston She's running a beautiful bar program with great cocktails. Food was delicious. And it was just all very, um, you know, non-pretentious, just like light snacks, bar snacks, but done exquisitely. She's running a great bar program there. Also, um, Green Russell, also another great spa. There's the Bitters Bar. There's a new spot just called Occidental, open also by Sean Canyon, which is really great because it's almost like a sports bar. Oh, see, oh, dude, see, now you're craft cocktails, man, dude. So you're speaking the language of my tribe right now, because Mm -hmm. in in my opinion, I'm I'm always looking at niches and I think niche bars are the future. I think there's just so much competition that you have to have a real intellectual purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think that the re-envisioning of the American sports bar is the next place we're going to see a lot of craft Mm -hmm. influence. So that's so cool to hear. I feel that about the American steakhouse. We're going to have a far more... I think we're going to see a movement towards a far more egalitarian steakhouse mm-hmm. experience, but the sports bar. So tell me about Occidental because I've, I've been thinking about well, it. Occidental's great, man, because first off, they kind of stripped away all like any vibe of like hoity-toityness or any, any, fuck. Any, no, you know, just any, God, just, uh, they I haven't eaten, the man. pretense. Yeah. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll just start that over. Okay, hang on. I will. I'll do you know. So what was it about? You know, tell me. I want to get. I want to know about the nuts and bolts of Occidental, man. Tell me about that. 
Occidental is a really cool place and I love it for so many reasons, but one of the reasons is they kind of stripped away all the hoity-toityness and just made it a really cool bar. So it's, you know, if you want to go watch a basketball game or you just want to hang on a date, it's a perfect spot. It's great drinks, you know, you can watch the game, you can hang out, you can relax, but there's also a great list and a great lineup of beers there as well. Wonderful spot, food truck in the back. I mean, you really can't beat it when it comes to hanging out. Yeah, and to me, I mean, one of the most logical business decisions a craft bartender in Denver can make because they're a, they're a big sports town, man. They're also a big beer mm-hmm. town. Why not just why not just give those things a giant bear hug and put it in one big room, right? So I bet I dude, I bet old boy's just gonna crush it with mm-hmm. that. So so you're leaving the, the the bartender at large train is leaving Denver. What's uh, what's the next stop? The next spot we went to from there was Jackson Hole. And Jackson Hole is a great place for so many reasons, even not even talking about food and drink. But just it's so much gorgeous. history there too, it's right? It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. You you it's you get humbled. I mean, you're driving in, you got the Grand Tetons to your left. Boom. And you're just headed to headed to meet up with some bartenders and you're like, This is amazing. I could imagine driving by this every day, headed to work. Right. I mean, there are some of the bartenders that drive by them every day. And it, it's absolutely the the views are majestic, it's gorgeous. And the clientele was really cool, and they were really adventurous. And um, there was a bar there that we went to called The Rose, and it's attached to a music venue. So they get acts like, you know, Jack White, uh, Most Def, artists Dude, like that will come to the Have perform. you heard the new Jack White, the Dead Weather album, man? No, I haven't heard oh, it yet. It's, so this okay. afternoon, man, get yeah, yourself. Yeah. So, I don't, you know, I, I, the minute you said Jack White, that Dead oh. Weather album is great. But so, yeah, so, yeah, so you got the you got the Rose, which, again, I, was another consulting project by our friends Dave Kaplan yes. and Alex Day, proprietor. So clearly uh, in your travels, you're finding that that, that that big city quality influence is actually finding its way to yeah. the smaller market. And not only that, it's like I think often one of the misconceptions people think that, okay, yeah, you know, sorry, I got to jump in here, here, Eric. But uh, you know, we're kind of, gosh, time flies when old friends connect on the radio. So uh, I tell you what, man, we're going to jump out here once again. You are listening to Ryan McGarrian and Eric Castro on the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Uh, this is Ryan McGarry, and you're on air bartender. Sitting here with my man Eric Castro, proprietor of Polite Provisions in San Diego, epic cocktail bar. Um, uh, and you know what? We've been talking all about his new project, the Bartender at Large, where he and his team are on a road trip and hitting a lot of the smaller markets just to kind of expose. Uh, you know, expose us to the quality and perspectives that some of the small market has have uh, small markets have when it comes to craft cocktails and mixed drinks. And you know, just to kind of reset the last segment, man, we were um, we were talking about the we were talking about Jackson Hole. Uh, who doesn't want to go to Jackson Hole and drink cocktails for the first, you know in general? But man, you were talking about the Rose, man. And let's just talk. Tell me about that. It's, is it a tavern? Is it just a straight up cocktail bar? Uh, tell us about the Rose in Jackson Hole. It's a great feel. It's a, it's a live music venue as well. So you you walk in there and just you know we went in there I think on a Wednesday night or something. There was a live band playing. They were just rocking like old classic blues and rockabilly music, and it was beautiful. And it's like there's people dancing. Um, you know, a lot of people who are in the industry there are just all hanging out, and it's like. 11 p.m. and the place was packed. People dancing, having drinks. How late drinks. do they go there, man? They go till 2. Oh. You have to understand that Jackson Hole, a lot of the community there is like people who go out to work, you know, at the, the ski slopes. They work in the restaurants. It's very service-oriented. So these people, they all get off work, you know, start getting off work at 9 o'clock. 
10 o'clock and they all start funneling. They need somewhere to drink, man. And they that's somewhere to want to wind down. Yep. And that's wind what, up. It sounds like, and that's what the rose is all about, man. Oh man. Were there, were there any other, uh, so were there any other kind of perspectives or bars in, in Jackson hole that you remember or experience? I mean, what a cool place to just spend a few days. Were there any experiences there that you, you know, that you enjoyed? Yeah. We went to another spot as well called the local, which was, which was really cool. Uh, great food, great drinks. And I think one of the misconceptions that a lot of people have, especially those living along the coast, tend to think is that we think that the ideas we come up with, you know, in places like San Francisco and, and you know, New York, which I also have a bar, Boilermaker, is that we think that the smaller cities are kind of emulating what we're doing and just kind of copying us. But that's not it at all. What's actually happening is I think they're doing research and they're understanding the foundations and taking what works, but they're creating their own identity and they're doing what works for them and what's working for their clientele, and they're exposing it to new perspectives and new outlooks, and the result can be some pretty amazing cocktails. Dude, I can totally, I imagine, not, yeah, and I imagine it's cocktails, it's also rooms and service styles, and, yes. and all those things, man. So, you know, the uh, the B train, bartender at large, makes its way out of Jackson Hole, and uh, where does it go next? From and back on the you know obviously we're speaking in on past the map. Then where we did went, you, yeah, where'd you go next on the map, my man? After Jackson Hole, then we went to Salt Lake City, yes. which was really an eye opener. Yes, I, I agree. Salt Lake City is just you, I, I think of ice cream, on, man. And, yeah, the the way Salt Lake City is overlooked, I mean, it borders on criminal, in the sense that people don't give it a fair shake. I think too many people think it's they have all these strict regulations. Yeah, right. That 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 exists, and you know what? They do have these strict regulations right. that exist, but that does not preclude you from having a proper cocktail there. These guys have learned to take these limitations and use it to spur their creativity rather than to hold them back. For instance, you know, a lot of times we'll see in classic cocktail books, we'll see mixed spirit drinks, things okay. like um, the Star Daisy, which will have, you know, gin mixed with apple brandy or a lot of like rum cocktails you'll see. So you're is, digging on that one, yeah, man. I was man. like, I was just, as you said that, I'm like, that's, that's that drink with the apple and gin. Yeah, awesome, yeah. man. Or like the, you know, Boucre, which is mixing brandy with, um, with whiskey. And they've taken those applications because the law isn't doesn't strictly um, provide guidelines for mixed spirit cocktails. So instead of doing, you know, they're only allowed to do an ounce and a half of one base spirit, right? Okay. So if you're doing an aviation gimlet, you would have to do it with an ounce and a half. Okay. But you could also hit it with an extra half ounce of something else. You do a half ounce of apple brandy. Oh, so you can have so you can, you can fraction take the, to get around. That's like the it, it, we'll call that the uh, the Brigham Young loophole. We'll give, yes, it, we'll yeah. give it a name. Yeah, right? we can call it that. We can Byl, give it that. dude. You know, <laughs> we can call it that. So, who actually? I think I'm pretty sure Brigham Young, by the way, was a distiller. No, I, I'm sure he was. Legend how, how would he not be, man? Yes. You know, with a name like that. Living yeah. in Utah, you know, in the 1800s, you better have some whiskey to keep you dude, warm. Dude, all that salt blowing your face off the Salt Lake, <laughs> man. Good grief. But to, so what bar stood out there? Man, I know I've been there. In my mind, oh. I have. There's there's several that stood out. What stood out to you, man? Oh, Bar X was wonderful. Bar X was, it was one of my favorite bars. It, I had a total blast there. It's a place for people to just hang out. Great drinks, great cocktails, good music, and it's attached to a beer bar. So if you want to um, slide over next door and maybe get, to, get a light bite or some food to eat, you can bring it on back with you. Awesome bartenders. Another place I was really impressed with, and I was really surprised because I almost thought of it as more just like an afterthought. I was seeing Park City. Ah. Park City, Utah. I kind of thought it was like, I was just expecting, you know, uh, moguls and ski bunnies and, you know, people just kind of, um, what's that? What do they call them? You can build radio shows around both those things. <laughs> yeah, true. Sure. I mean, honestly, I wasn't expecting much. I mean, I knew it was going to be beautiful. I knew it was going to be gorgeous, but I definitely wasn't expecting much in terms of, you know, craft cocktails. I just right. figured the community there was too transient. But we went to the the High West Saloon. Absolutely beautiful. Oh man! 
cocktails were amazing. Um, I mean, I had I had more than a few. You know, I can go ahead and admit well, that. I tell you what, when cocktails are balanced, you know, between their elements of strong, weak, sweet, and sour, or strong, weak, sweet, and bitter, mm-hmm. uh, when they hit that sessionable, pleasant note, like. You can get lost in a, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in an hour or two of cocktails, which you, you have to kind of be mindful of sometimes. Yeah, huh? yeah. We yeah. were there for a bit, so we definitely had that side going for us. And I had a. a... And you're not driving the big BOL, the, the bartender at large rig, anyway. So it doesn't matter. You can just crash <laughs> out in the back of that bad boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was great. I, I had a really good time in Park City. There were a few. There were a couple other bars there as well that were really great. And a plus, a, a bonus for that as well is you have the, the High West Distillery up there, so you can always pop on up there and kind of investigate and see how they're making the whiskey oh that's so cool man and for those who don't know high west distillery of course based in park city colorado it's making you know they're making outstanding whiskey doing a lot of cool blending techniques they're, they're you know one thing i really enjoy is just they're, they're putting out a lot of unique perspectives mm-hmm. you know like you're getting that campfire where you're getting a little bit of smoke uh but it's done in a way that's not like a traditional scotch or mm-hmm. or, or, or whatnot and and their rye whiskeys that double rye is chronic man mm-hmm. that thing is just it's delicious amazing. and dry and round and to me like a, a high west double rye on the rocks is just it's a it's a it's a thing of beauty that's to be sure so uh so uh you know in my yeah I, i'm gonna throw a few other bar names out there just because i've just got salt lake city on my mind right now mm-hmm. i really did you go to bodega when you were there no we didn't get a chance to go to bodega unfortunately yeah, they were doing some really cool stuff there and and i just gosh it really i was captivated as well like you said about they have to be so solution oriented mm-hmm. there if there's ever a solution oriented kind of community of bartenders i don't think you're going to find uh more than what you'd find in salt lake city no and one thing that we were really lucky about is we got to hang out with them at a usbg event which is their bartenders guild the utah bartenders guild came out in full force we went to a cocktail competition and they were just about it man they went for it people i think in utah in salt lake especially like they like to party they love their craft cocktails and they're not afraid to show it and i think that comes as a surprise to a lot of people who think that you know, people in Utah, they don't know how to, they don't know how to appreciate a fine yeah. beverage. They don't even realize it, but they are living in the great legacy of Brigham Young. <laughs> <laughs> so you roll out of Salt Lake City. Uh, what was your next stop, man? Or, uh, uh, or is, is, did you take a break oh. anytime in there? Or? No, we haven't taken a break yet. We, we finally actually got a day off, I think, last Saturday. Dude, nice. Which was nice to sleep. And then, of course, we still went out and had some drinks and whatnot. Of course. But actually, then the stop after that was um, Boise, Boise, Idaho. which. Okay. I really, we were talking about that earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was not expecting much. I was thinking like, okay, cool. It's, I was expecting just like a lot of plains, maybe some mountains, but really wasn't expecting too much um, in terms of what to be there because you don't hear people talk about it much. Right. So I figured, you know, it, there can't be too much going on there, which I was definitely mistaken. Yeah. What I ended up finding out is I think that Boise is a secret and that People aren't spreading the word because they don't want more people like coming I, in. I, I, dude, I, you know, I, I feel like people do that about P-Town, about Portland here as mm-hmm. well, you know. Um, you know, we don't, here, you know, time is flying, man, and uh, we're coming up on the end of this segment. So um, what I want to do is actually want to start to segue into the success you've had as a professional, you know, beginning with your your bartending, um, in, in, and you started San Francisco, right? Was that? No, actually, oh, dude. I originally started bartending maybe about 14 years ago in, um, Grossmont, which is in La Mesa, in La Mesa, San Diego. So when I was going to college in San Diego State, I was uh, started bussing. Actually, I started as a host, then started bussing, then started serving. Bar dude, I can teams. totally see like rolling into a restaurant and there's Eric Castro. The yeah. Oh. And like, dude, welcome. I was 21, man. I was just bright eyed, bushy tailed and was like, came in as a host. And as soon as I was a host, I was like, 
hey, I want to start bussing. No, I actually came in as a busser first and was like, hey, they're like, hey, do you want to host? I was like, no. They're like, well, I hope you become a server. I was like, okay, I'll host. And Dude, then... actually got to jump in real quick, Eric, because mm-hmm. we're coming up to the end of our third segment, man. It's mm-hmm. just so much fun chatting with you. Great energy. Once again, you are listening to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network, and we'll be right back at you in a moment. Back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. We are chatting with Eric Castro, one of the world's premier bartenders, the proprietor of both Polite Provisions in San Diego and Boilermaker in the heart of Manhattan in New York City. And of course, we've spent uh, most of the time talking about his new project, The Bartender at Large, where he has been rolling around the country, uh, exposing us to the quality uh, and craftsmanship being found in smaller markets, which I'm just totally captivated by and stoked by. I need to like come meet you on a tour stop one of these days, you know what I'm saying? But uh, you know what? That could happen, man. That would, I think we could do some, we could make that happen, huh? Mm -hmm. Um, So in the last segment, we finished up with you kind of telling us about your personal journey in the industry. And, and I had thought it was San Francisco because I guess mm-hmm. I've always equated you with that. But it started in San Diego or in La Mesa, yeah. you said. So like you said, you were uh, you started as a uh, like a busser and a host. Uh, what ha- So moving from that first experience, what was your next step towards becoming the bartender that you are today? Yeah, so I started bartending there, which is great because it was a chain restaurant, but they were it was a very busy spot. So I felt like they gave you a proper foundation, like cleanliness, health code, taking care of guests, you know, they taught you all of the foundations. You know, I really wasn't making any fancy craft cocktails or anything there. I think about as elaborate as I got was maybe a sexy alligator. You know, <laughs> a what? A sexy alligator. Oh, dude, what's a, what is in a sexy alligator, my man? Oh, it, it's a, a beautiful mixture of Jaeger, Chambord, and Midori. Oh, my gosh. That just sounds absolutely undelightful. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was not delightful in any way at all. But the presentation was amazing. So I think that's, I think. And it was aligned. Look, I mean, we always talk about as, as not just bartenders, but business owners. Like, mm-hmm. you've got to align your drinks and your menu to your mm-hmm. demographic. And, you know, sometimes the alligator works. Yeah. And I mean, really, I mean, if you think about it, even though it's kind of a crappy drink, I did learn how to float liqueurs and to sink liqueurs Dude. off of that drink. Dude, Techniques for poos- working, poos- your gravities, man, working your gravity, man. Working your gravity. So, um, you know. Where was the where was your first exposure to the craft? Yeah, and then from there I ended up moving to Sacramento. Okay, and I had a, after a brief stint at Bowling Alley where I got fired, I was at this. Dude, I was always getting fired back in the day, but never for integrity reasons, right? It was <laughs> no, always yeah, yeah, either yeah. you were just too much of a goofball, yeah. or like you were so far ahead and you were making. At least for me, I would I was so intent about like changing the culture and being mm-hmm. and, and like pushing the quality of what we're doing and. And when no, when everybody else mm-hmm. isn't on board, it kind of you know at least mm-hmm. for me it alienated me. But that's, that's I love yeah. I love the humility when some of the world's best always they say oh and I got fired here. I just I think it's a nice <laughs> reminder that it's like it's not a perfect journey, right? No, but, not uh, at all. Yeah, and you know I was devastated because at this point I'd been bartending for a few years now, you know five or six years, and I was pretty confident in my skills behind the bar, and I was really cocky about it, and I thought it was I mean. I thought it was the, I thought it was the jam. Yeah, of course. And we all we all have that year. Yeah. Some of us have the ten year period. Uh, yeah. Immerse, the idea is to keep that as short as as short as yeah. you can because it comes back to bite you. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, this is where I'm setting myself up. So then I'm like, oh, okay, well I'm gonna apply at this like really nice um, 
tequila bar that's in, okay. in downtown Sacramento that was, you know, Julio Bermejo was one of the people who helped set it up. So it had, you know, a lot of Tommy's margaritas, fresh limes by the palate, and we were just cranking out, you know, yeah, craft margaritas. Yeah. And I went in to apply, and I was, I just told him, I, I, you know, I came in, thought I was hot, thought I was the bee's knees, and I learned that I was not. Like, okay, you know, you're a good barman, but you don't know anything about craft cocktails. <laughs> so we're about to teach you, you know, how to make some real drinks. And this is when all of a sudden I was like, wait, what's this? This lime press? Wait, you mean I'm supposed to squeeze fresh limes? Is that yeah, work? these little green orbs? What? You What's know? in those? There's something in there? And then I remember tasting it. Was just like, this is amazing. I've never made a cocktail like this before in my life. You yeah. know, it was agave. It was a Tommy's margarita. So it was like, you know, agave, nectar, fresh lime, and uh, Blanco tequila. And it was absolutely wonderful. And it just opened my eyes. I was like, wait, what else is there that I don't know? Yeah. You know, then we started using, I started using fresh produce, fresh raspberries. And, you know, I mean, I was still making things like, you know, raspberry you know, lemon drops and stuff. But this yeah. time I was using fresh lemon juice and fresh raspberries. And yeah. it was, the, the proof was in the pudding, man. The cocktails were just that much better. And from there, I just like sunk deeper into the rabbit hole and just started, started making trips out to San Francisco. I was, helped found the Sacramento USBG. And next thing you know, I was getting a job off for Bourbon and Branch and just hopped on over to San Francisco. That's right. So Bourbon and Branch was a kind of linchpin cocktail experience on the West Coast, uh, you know, doing the whole like uh, kind of hidden bar, you know, make a reservation, experience cocktail, have an experience that is fully and utterly mm-hmm. focused around the drink. And, then, and immersive. Yeah, it's very, oh, dude, that's such a good word for that. And I just, I'm going to fast forward the guests real quick because we're just coming up on the end of the show, my man. Oh, it's man. So fast. <laughs> but so, you know, you know, you went from, uh, from Bourbon and Branch to Rick House. Uh, and then you opened uh, Polite Provisions, epic, epic cocktail bar uh, down in uh, San Diego. And more recently, dude, I'm stoked to hear that you did Boilermaker over in New York. And, uh, and is, you know, what, what's, been, uh, what's been the most gratifying component of your career so far? Most gratifying component of my career so far is definitely, I think, I think it happens every night. Yeah. Every night behind just, the bar, just man. The, it's, it's, it's that engagement and it just being around people and, and, and just, you know, making them happy. Yeah, yeah, anytime I can put a craft cocktail in front of somebody who's never had a craft cocktail before, that to me is a feeling that never gets old. Dude, I'm totally with you. It's been an incredible chat with you, man. Mm-hmm. we got to jump out, but uh, you are always welcome on this show. Great to have you in P-Town. Thanks for listening to The Liquid Lifestyle. And as always, I'm going to leave you with my favorite phrase, always drink your best. 